0: Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Lethal Podcast. We have something a bit different for you today. We took a quick break from talking about archery stuff to bring you a really cool company uh, that you've probably heard of as they are the fuel for this podcast hunter's blend coffee uh, we got to talk to mike and paul and man this is a great group of guys and i'm really happy that our relationship ended up happening uh, hunter's blend is so much more than a coffee company they're making a global impact not only with the farmers that they work with uh, to get the coffee beans from but their organizational support for nonprofits. Like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the National Wild Turkey Foundation, the Sportsmen's Alliance, uh, and a bunch of others makes a huge impact on the wildlife landscape here in America. So, coffee and conserve, coffee and conservation is the main topic of this podcast, and I think it was a really good one. Uh, side note: something happened with my audio track. It's not horrible, but it's definitely out of the norm. Uh, so, if you think it's your headphones, it's not. It's me. I suck, and I'm sorry uh so remember uh, if you buy coffee from hunter's blend uh, they will make a donation to the ashby bow hunting foundation now i know it can be easy to forget to use the code so after you go to their checkout button on their website it will take you to a page to enter your information at the top right hand side of that page there's a box for you to enter a discount code be sure to enter abf all caps and hunter's blend coffee will donate 10 percent of the purchase to the Ashley Bow Hunting Foundation. So don't forget to do that when you make your purchase. Uh, if you do like the content, consider dropping a quick, a quick review for us on iTunes or anywhere else you may listen to us at. Uh, helps us out with exposure quite a bit, and we really appreciate it. You can also check us out on social media with our Instagram and Facebook page. Uh, so go give us a like or follow or whatever over there, and uh, we'll keep bringing you some more content. So without further ado, here's Mike and Paul from Hunter's Blend Coffee. Enjoy. So how uh, how did you two end up like hooking up? How do you guys know each other? I met his
1: sister. Mike is <laughs> uh, oh, my, okay. my brother-in-law. I met his older sister. Yeah. So I've known the gotcha. guy since he was running, yeah, junior high probably, Mike. Hey,
2: right. hey Paul, i tell you why. This is off topic, but we, Melanie and I were cleaning out the storage room today because Lord knows it needed it and we needed something to do. And I was going through a box of keepsakes, and I found a letter that you wrote to me back when I was 13 or something. You were dating Grace, and you were just uh, providing some life advice. And I kept that letter, and I literally ran across it today. So, Yeah, uh, wonderful. Yeah.
1: Little do you know, I was just trying to get into your sister's heart, you know. <laughs>
3: right, 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 right. Impress her. Good it's job. right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, I kind of remember that. That's funny. Yep,
0: that's funny. That's, that's funny. So you guys, so you guys have known each other for it sounds like quite a quite a oh, long yeah. time. Oh yeah,
1: thirty five years. Uh, we've been married thirty four years. So, uh, but you know, every Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, every family reunion, uh, we get together and we're talking hunting and coffee and things that we love to do and. That's really how it all came together with my brother-in-laws.
0: But, okay, so you guys have been in-laws for 35 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Mike grew up, he can tell what his life was like, but he grew up in a farming, you know, in Iowa. I always tell Grace, uh, his sister, my wife, that what she looks at as beauty is a big wheat field with little fence rows and ditch bottoms and I grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania. We were all woods with little fields.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm.
1: that's beauty to me is a big you know, big wooded mountainside. And right. for my wife it's a field of grain. But it's it's just the difference. And I don't think Mike, your dad didn't hunt or
2: No, I anything. no, we didn't do anything like that. Um uh- Yeah, grew up on the farm, so outside a lot. And a lot of my favorite memories are outside. You know, walking in from the barn on a winter night. You know, freezing cold and the stars bright, or sunset over a snowy field, or you know, mowing hay in the summer and stopping the tractor just to feel the breeze. I remember doing that when I was a, I don't know, teenager. It was you know, you enjoy that stuff. But we never hunted. And uh, in my early teens, uh, another brother-in-law introduced me to trapping and. That got me into the, you know, outdoor sports or whatever. And then uh, a year or so later, when Paul came along, he just had a completely different tradition than what I had grown up. Even neighbors are hearing about that Northwest PA deer camp kind of tradition. And just uh, so I got to vicariously experience a lot of hunting over the years at Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I'm kind of a late bloomer. My son, when he was in, sixth grade took an archery class in school and that's kind of got me started on the whole thing and that was I don't know 10 years ago or whatever uh gotcha. eight, six eight years ago I can't remember um and uh so I've been pretty excited about it ever since
0: yeah that's neat that's neat so okay so um I've, I've already got you turned around so which one grew up in the hunting family Paul grew up in the hunting I, family. I did yeah Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And Paul, you grew up in that was Northwest. Yeah, Northwestern
1: PA. Yeah, just a little south of Erie. And yeah, hunting camps. uh, Guys would all go off to hunting camp, and the wives would be at home shoot a buck off the back
4: porch. Yeah, that's (laughs) it's funny how that works, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then, and then when you get skunked, when you're out there, you know, running around the woods and they, they end up smoking one off the back porch and they, they give you a flack for it yeah. for the next, yeah. uh, next year. Like I killed one. Why couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always how it happens. And okay. So Mike, did you, you didn't grow up in PA? Where, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in Southeast Iowa, which now uh, knowing what I know is like, good Lord, that's deer country, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I was in high school, I was getting to where I was really interested in, in deer hunting. Ken, uh, <clears throat> Ken, another brother-in-law who's a partner in Hunter's Blend Coffee, he was a real avid or is an avid hunter and deer hunter. And, and so I was getting really interested in that. I had trapped, you know, kind of like through high school and, raise, you know, sure. make a little money or whatever, but I just never took that next step uh, into deer hunting and uh, then moved away and just got away from that. Uh, actively participating in that all together. Um, so, uh, kind of uh, came back around here a few years yeah, ago, full, back. Full circle, yeah, 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 full
0: yep, circle. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like both of you definitely grew up in places that were, you know, uh, in, you grow up anywhere in Iowa. I mean, that is, you know, whitetail country. <laughs> For uh, sure. Pennsylvania, as I have somewhat recently learned, is like traditional bow, like Mecca. Like there, there are so many guys that shoot trad bows in Pennsylvania. I don't know exactly why, but man, it it seems almost always when there's a, either a big get together or, or like you meet someone in the trad bow community, there's like a 95% chance they come from Pennsylvania. Uh, I've I've never,
1: I've never considered that. That's interesting. But, um, when I took up archery, my first bow was a recurve and, Jeepers. I hit deer in the antlers and the tail and the hoofs and, <laughs> and I finally decided I've got to figure something else out right up the road from us. And now we were three dirt roads off of the main road. That's, I mean, we were we weren't at the end of the world, but you could see it from where we were, <laughs> <laughs> but right up the little dirt right road was a archery shop. It was called uh, Tropel's, Rudy Tropel's. And okay. Fred Bear used to come there, do clinics, uh-huh. and this guy uh, actually sold one of the first takedown Bear recurves that Bear made. That's cool. And I just heard from like a grandson of True of Tropel that uh, the Bear Museum reached out, uh, years ago, reached out to see if he had that takedown bow, and they did, and they sent it to the museum. So that's-
0: That's funny, that's, that's neat. It.
1: But I never met him. You know, they were doing shoots and meets and uh, I was probably 12, 13 and, you know, just let him go. But yeah. Wish yeah. I would have. Went. have said I met him.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but man, it's cool that you kind of grew up in an area where, you know, you you walked amongst legends and you didn't even yeah. know it. I was kind of that. I had, uh, uh, when I was younger, I had a football coach that I, like, I didn't really like click at the time but then when I was older I found out he had played in the NFL and he's actually in the Packers Hall of Fame wow. and I was I was like oh wow well, I wish I would have taken a little more time with that yeah. and then when I was older and I run into him I was like so are you like do you know like Bart Starr and like had you met Vince Lombardi and all these guys he was like yeah like, I knew them all I'm like ah okay that's yeah just crazy it's such a it's such a small world sometimes it's yeah. it's 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 wild. it's wild, but who,
2: who was but, your coach? What what was his name?
0: His name was, uh, Paul Kaufman. Okay, uh, yep. he, was, uh, he was a tight end for the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, wow. He had uh, it was it was funny. I actually went to church with them as well, and they had to stand in the they had to sit in the back row because when they stood up, no one was able to see them. Camille was their daughter. They had uh, four kids. Uh, Three boys and one girl, and uh, Camille was their daughter, and she was the shortest one at six foot three. Wow! Uh, Yeah, Uh, so big, big family, good genetics. (laughs) Yeah, they all, all of them, uh, all the boys played D one football, and I think two of them went to the NFL. So, uh, pretty uh, and but incredible people, just the nicest people you'd ever meet. Uh, And and Paul was just. uh, uh, uh an, an incredible coach and, and just a great guy and he did so much for the community I, i'm eternally thankful for uh being able to hang out with him when i was uh, a young kid uh, oh, yeah. so uh so how where where did the infatuation with with coffee come from oh i guess we should probably introduce you uh, that, that'd, be, that'd be helpful uh, um so tonight we're hanging out with uh okay Mike, you had your last name and it's a heck of a last name in there yes sir uh, the, the first time we tried to press record how do you, how do you say your last name
2: there will be a test
0: it's
2: yeah. uh <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: it's Schwarz andtrouber Sw- okay yep so, yes, sir. Mike Schwartzentruber and Paul Kurtz uh, from Hunter's Blend Coffee, uh, who uh, now fuels the podcast I've been fueling it for about a month and a half now, two months. And we're uh, we're really thankful to get to have them on and talk about their coffee and about their contributions to the conservation model uh, for North America. And, and it's uh, we're, we're in for a real good conversation. And I have a feeling. So that being said. Where where did the infatuation with coffee come from? Uh, I guess what is what's kind of the origin story with Hunter's Blend?
1: Well, probably, uh, Mike. I'll pick that up. Um, for about twenty five years, uh, well, going back twenty five years ago, I started working with a church organization that was had a real history in Central America, and one of the mm-hmm. things I was asked to do, uh, we sent a lot of short term teams down to do water projects and agricultural consulting and uh, just all kinds of things. But uh, one of the things I was asked to do was every year I would trips down to Costa Rica, come home, then go to Nicaragua, come home, then go to Ecuador and come home, and then go to El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. And I was making five, six trips a year into Central America. And I most of the times I was up to my armpits in coffee. We'd meet, a lot of the cities are in the valleys and they're mm-hmm. terrible hot in the summer. So to get some respite from that, they'd get up into a retreat center up in the mountains and it was all coffee. And I hmm. got, to, got to see firsthand how coffee is produced. Some of the trade inequities and just Uh, how little of the price that I was paying for coffee up here was actually going to the farmer. I just started seeing that. I I didn't even ask questions yet, but um, I remember when I started questioning it, I'd ask farmers, you know, why are you asking me for money? What we do up in the North is we take discretionary income and we give it to charities or we do the water projects or the leadership training things that we want to do. And they looked at me like I was from another plant. You know, like <laughs> we don't have any discretionary income. There's right. We're, we're barely getting by. And so I, I took about four years. Uh, every time I made a trip to central America, I took a couple of business guys with me and I, I would say your job, is to find the money. What is going on? Farmers tell me they get eighty cents or sixty cents a pound, and that the Jeez. the mill, the beneficio they call them, the, the cooperative leaders make all the money. The cooperative leaders say the government takes it all. The government says the farmers get it all. I like mm. so someone's lying here. And right. I remember on one trip I had a, he was an IRS agent. He was actually a pastor, but he was a Indiana State internal revenue guy he said i'll find the money and it was so funny because he was so confident he would figure it all out and at the end of a week he looked at me he said this is nuts it's i do not understand it it's and it was a language barrier so it's just everybody holds close their information of where they get the coffee and pass it on i mean there's five or six intermediaries But anyhow, I started seeing coffee as a tool for community development way before Hunter's Blend, before my other company that that I run, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Uh, I just started seeing that if these farmers could directly ship, skip all the six, seven intermediaries and ship Mm -hmm. it directly to a roaster in the States, or at least a person up there that would collect it pay them fairly for it, and get it to the roasters. Um, that's what they need. They're they're locked out of markets. And right. so that's what I began to work at. And they say, don't quit your day job. But about five years ago, I got totally um, full-time importing coffee and roasting. And that's the heart of the coffees that we use in the Hunter's Blend, is direct from farmers that it's changed their whole lives.
0: That's That's cool. Yeah. So, and did you say the majority of that was Central America or South America?
1: Yeah, most of it was uh, Central America. We do go to Ecuador. Uh, We've not brought any, I'm bringing a lot of samples up out of Ecuador and some out of Peru, but, Mm. uh, and then we do Southeast Asia as well. A lot in Indonesia, Java, uh, Sulawesi, Bali, and out of Thailand. And also China. You know, wow! China. Wow! Really? Yeah. I hope it doesn't wonderful. have the virus. That's the only thing. You know, might have <laughs> roast it again, buddy. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you,
0: yeah, you roast it, and uh, I mean, as long as it gets hot enough, then the virus can't survive, right? I think. Yeah. At least well, that's, that's what somebody YouTube. said on YouTube. So it has to be true. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs>
0: um, well, for Garrett,
1: uh, uh, for Garrett's, he's the the uh, in house coffee nerd, right?
0: Yeah, Garrett's, Garrett's uh, the local cool coffee nerd, yes. The yep.
1: interesting thing about coffee is that it has terroir or it has a, a taste of place. And a Central American coffee is totally different from an Indonesian or Sumatra. It's totally different from a Kenyan. East. So as we developed uh, doing coffees for espresso and for coffee shops and different people like different things... I couldn't just be sitting on Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Central American coffees. They had to get other regions. So um, we travel and, and buy those as well.
5: Yeah, I, I definitely didn't used to think that coffees tasted different. When I first started drinking coffee, you know, I was like, oh, whatever. And now some of the stuff that I used to drink, I'm like, oh, how did I ever drink this? It's <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Yeah.
0: So what you're telling me is the best part of waking up is not Folgers in your cup. No. 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 Okay. But you know, as much as I
1: appreciate, I'm a cute grader. We can talk about that later, but I mean, I love the nuances of, of a, of a natural processed, uh, you know, light roasted coffee. But when it's two in the morning and I'm driving for Iowa, I'll stop at a pilot and it's the best bloody,
4: Coffee on the, the <laughs> oh, Yeah, when you need Absolutely. coffee, yeah, coffee's good. You got coffee. That's <laughs> uh, at
0: two in the morning. I'm not being super picky. Yeah. So uh, one one thing you said in there that I'm kind of curious about. You talked about um, when you were going to Central America. You would you would go up to the uh, up to the mountain. That's that's kind of where you got introduced to the coffee there. So what even like is the what's the difference between the coffee that they drink there versus the coffee that we drink here, even if it's the same, uh, the same thing, technically? Well,
1: that's a very good question because around the cultures of producing countries, they drink the worst coffee in the world. In fact, most coffee farmers houses that I go into have a little can of Nescafe crystals sitting on their jug. And you know, I first uh-huh. run in that, I was like, what in the heck is going on? You guys <laughs> are producing high scoring specialty coffee. Why are you drinking Folgers or, you know, instant? And it's the same every place. My daddy's daddy's daddy taught my daddy's daddy and my daddy and taught me. You sell everything. And hmm. so mm. there, there's grade one, there's, uh, you know, double A, there's A, B, there's A's, there's B's, there's thirds, fourth, fifth, sixth, there's eight or nine different grades. The specialty is only the top two. Right. So by the time you get down to eight, it's got cow manure and pieces of coffee, tree and limbs and sticks, and they don't want to drink it. It's so bad that when you brew it, it takes so it takes a lot of milk or sugar so some cultures like costa rica has a culture of half coffee and half hot milk just because mm. that's the only thing that tames the bitterness of the coffee yeah. that that's left for them right and uh, so the exciting thing that i've i love to do is to roast with a little hot air gun roasting thing i travel with at times Roast it right mm-hmm. in front of the farmer, brew it right in front of them, and let them drink their high grade coffee for the first time. You would think, yeah, because would-
0: because they they don't get to do it. No, they sell it no. all, yeah.
1: And I've seen tears come down the old cheeks. You know, just wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And well, I've other- I, I, I've I've done. Uh, I haven't gone to Central or South America, but we've we've had a lot of uh, the other way. The church I I grew up in, we had a lot of. People from from that area, um, uh, Honduras mostly, I I believe, uh, come up and man, you want to talk about a uh, a selfless people? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it these people would, I mean, they were, I mean, the, you know, they'd come here on on a visa of some sort, I would guess, and and just you know, they were guests in our country per se, quote unquote. But man, they would bend over backwards to do anything you and it was there there are truly remarkable people down there so I that's a that's cool that you got to let them experience that when that that they've probably like you said they've been farming coffee their entire life for you know dozens of years and never never had a good cup of it which is is sad and and, uh, wild at the same time
1: one of the things I see change has changed just in the past ten years is a lot of producing countries are are promoting good coffee within their own country, and there's coffee shops and appreciation for good coffee, and uh, and, and the economies have changed some. So there's the income to actually you know buy a good latte or a good espresso or a good pour over, and so there's shops opening up in farming towns that are kind of showcasing good coffee and they're starting to get it. They're, they're getting it. Yeah. Right. In fact, Thailand, we exported two containers. Wow. Well, I've done more than that. Uh, four different shipments out of Thailand, but the government, the parliament there has put such a in, uh, duty on incoming coffee to protect the price of their own coffee. Yeah, uh, nobody yeah. there's no other coffee so hmm. it's it's put such pressure on their own and there's so many coffee shops starting into coffee cultures taking over the tea drinking of the thais yeah that I, I i can't really justify bringing right now bringing coffee out of thailand because it's so expensive and it yeah it's good but it's not that good you know <laughs> sure, sure ten dollar a pound green Ooh. Yeah,
0: that's Ouch. Spendy. Yeah, that that seems that seems steep, I think, at least yeah. from if I'm if yeah. I'm thinking thinking about the, the other the other uh coffees I've I've seen that seems uh, pretty steep. Have you uh, uh this is I mean it's it's on topic but we hadn't really planned on it. Uh have you ever had my my boss and actually my whole C-suite went to uh, Dubai for uh, a big conference uh, right before all this COVID stuff broke out. They actually they came home early because uh, that was when Trump was about to announce that they had were they went to Dubai and they were in Europe and Trump was about to announce that they were closing all all everything from Europe all the travel. So they they got on the first plane back and got home. But before they did that, when they were in Dubai, they tried some type of like famous dubai coffee and and all three of these guys are big coffee drinkers and none of them liked it like yeah. they were huh. they were very sour about it i guess i i saw i saw pictures of of their reactions of drinking it and it it did uh it didn't look too, too good
1: yeah but, I, uh, i'm not sure what the dubai culture is uh a, 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 i've been in the middle east a lot um as far as in turkey and and other places, uh mm-hmm. Morocco particularly, I spent a lot of time. And they do a real intense, strongly brewed, and there's grounds in it and then it's real sweet yet. Yeah, it's almost like a Cuban uh little coffee sita, little shot. Hmm. Um I, and, and these old men will sit on the sit in a little uh seat out on the sidewalk and nurse that thing all morning. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know what the Dubai coffee is.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to, um, I know they posted some stuff on Facebook. I'm going to, I'm going to go try and find it while we're, while we're talking. Uh, The the civet coffee. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, I've had that. It's kind of got a bad rap among uh, animal rights because a lot of, you know, the traditionally a civet cat has an opposing thumb, like a possum, and it can pick the ripe Mm. cherry, so it's very selective what it would naturally eat, which is key Mm -hmm. to good coffee, is selection. Picking Mm -hmm. only when it's ripe. A civet cat does that. And it goes up on a limb. It's always the same limb where it overnights in the wild. And so it's pooping, you know. And uh, villagers know where those poop piles are, and they go get Uh them. And they go through it and sort out the kind of halfway digested the shell and stuff, and it's a good bean. But in Thailand, they're up in the north in Chiang Mai area. There are, as far as you can see, look like chicken houses, low roof buildings full of civet cats, and they're shoveling in coffee beans for these cats. Oh, people. they're just making them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. force feeding. Gotcha. Yeah. So now it's uh, it's looked frowned upon, and it's kind of being abandoned.
0: So I guess it, it's they call it it's just Arabic coffee, uh, but they flavor it with cardamom. Uh, Carda, yeah, yeah, C A R D A M O M. I don't know, but they, uh, uh, yeah, but they're all, <laughs> I'll send you guys a picture of their reaction directly afterwards. They were actually drinking it in the Burj Khalifa. They're like really, really high up, so it's a, it's a cool picture. But it's cool. yeah, that's that's funny. That's funny. So where where is uh, if uh, uh, if you have a favorite? I know it's kind of hard to pin that down, but where where does your guys' personal favorite uh, uh, beans come from? Hmm. putting you on the so spot
1: it, well it's so hard because i guess it would be if you had like eight wives you know be like which <laughs> i don't know that's what <laughs> i'm drinking that morning <laughs> you know um but be, but when i drink coffee i also this sounds really goofy but i also often can see and hear the place you know where it was produced and and uh, sure yeah but probably, probably the nicaragua right now it's just it's just my we do three to four containers a year of that and uh there, it's just it's just a great story of of redemption a story of um, seeing a whole community thriving and in Wanting to get up in the morning. I mean, I've, I've, the 10 years I've been working in that region, what it's, how it's changed. And the guys caught Diego Chavadilla is the farmer. I'll make sure he listens to this podcast, but um, (laughs) he's, he just takes it. He keeps putting the work and the effort into improving the quality of his coffee. And, uh, it's Nicaragua is Typical Central America in that it's thin body. It's got acidity, but as you roast it darker, like we do for the Hunter's Blend, um, there's a chocolatey note that comes into it. That that I love it. It's 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 a good coffee. It's probably my yeah. favorite. Yeah, just yeah.
0: What about you, Mike?
2: Well, I'm just I, our Hunter's Blend. Um, over the years, that's actually been the the the, the blend that I've uh, that I've been drinking for, I, I don't know how long. And it's, it's uh it's a blend of uh, Nicaragua and Thai. Um, and, and I just, I've tried, I mean, I've, i I like, you know, I used to drink a lot of uh, Papua New Guinea uh, like that, but um, this, this, uh, and I agree with Paul. I think I, I like the Nicaraguan, the straight Nick uh, even better, but the blend, the Hunter's blend with the uh, Nick and Thai in there together is for me, uh, overall it's just it it works for my palate I guess
0: yeah yeah it's I a real, assume,
1: go ahead go ahead well the, the Thai is a real juicy mouth feel and it puts a sizzle not not in like citrusy but it just puts a nice mouth sense in the that's why we keep it in the hunters blend it, it mm. makes a well rounded smooth is what a lot of people say
0: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, well that's I, I'm not I'm not a, a huge coffee drinker. Uh but I I basically base my like decision on if I like this particular coffee or not on if I have to add a ton of stuff to it to make it not taste anything like it does coming straight out of the pot. And uh and your guys that didn't have to add anything, which I felt was a complete win. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> You're just um, finally I, growing up, Matt. You yeah. yeah quit, I, 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 coffee. In, in unrelated news, I sprouted my first chest hair. I'm yeah. super excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, uh, I, I would guess, and something you kind of touched on, I think it was uh, I, well, I can't remember which one said it, but one of you said that it, it fit your it, it met your palate correctly and i would assume that's something that is very important to some people i know and and maybe maybe this is relatable or not i have i have no idea uh but when i when i started to get into like craft beers and i was like man there were some things where i'd drink it and i'd be like oh i don't like this at all and then uh and now over the years i'm like wow this is like how did i not like this when i was you know 21 or 22 and i when i started Uh, messing around with that a little bit but i think it's just because my palate has kind of changed over the years and and uh, i would assume that coffee is kind of relatable in that sense
1: yeah i think it is and i think beer craft beer movement actually is a very good uh example of of coffee because really there's no right or wrong coffee you
3: know if Mm -hmm. if
1: somebody Mm -hmm. likes folgers i i'm not gonna tell them that that's stupid you're I mean, wrong you, right, you right, right you don't drink coffee for health you don't drink it for some other nutritional benefit as you drink it for pleasure so what do you whatever you say you like and so when i see a guy you know just chugging Miller lights and uh ask him about uh craft beer and he says uh oh, this is all i drink all i want to know is that he's tried the other stuff you know right if, if right he's not right. tried it then don't tell me that's what you like. So um, we love people coming in our roastery, and we'll we'll do a flight of three different coffees roasted different levels, mm-hmm. different ways, and present it to them brewed right. And I love to see the lights come on. It's like wow, I can actually yeah. taste taste I, like yeah. a nut in there. Oh, and this one. Yeah. I actually tastes like an orange peel so that I last can't.
5: part is a very that, important part it's if it's brewed right yeah.
2: but,
1: and yeah. you
5: know yeah
2: it is and you know what it's a lot like I agree with paul it is it is preference and flavor and uh and and there's nothing wrong with that it's like if you only ever shot uh a really you know a cheap bow with some leftover used arrows from somebody else and you've you've become pretty proficient at 20 yards or something like you're you're talking
1: about yourself now
2: yes (laughs) you know you you could say i i don't know why people spend all that money and and time like this guy spends hours on his stupid arrows i mean what's up with that right well if you haven't tried it if you don't know the benefits of it if you haven't shot an animal and had the arrow, you know, three inches in flopping around and falling out, you know, you don't realize that there's another way. And so I think coffee is the same way. And and it is, we can sometimes put it, you know, whatever it is that we're promoting, we can, you know, you you can uh, inadvertently make it a bigger deal than it is. At the end of the day, it is a preference. It is a taste, but if you haven't tried it, You don't. You, don't, you
3: but also without, don't
2: know what you don't know. You don't know what you're missing.
4: Exactly. Yeah. That's without experience, your perception is is skewed. Yeah. I mean, and that's it's nothing against that. Right. But that's all. All you can really say is, well, if this is all that you know, then you really can't, yeah. you know, speak on the other options. Yeah. How so one
2: of the that, biggest. Go ahead.
4: No, no. Go ahead, Mike.
2: One of the most common and biggest compliments we have is is what Matt said is when people say, uh, "Oh, I'm just an okay coffee drink, but this is really good," or, "Or you know what? This is smooth. I wouldn't even need to use creamer with this anymore."
3: Mm-hmm. Those
2: are huge compliments because that that's what happens when you have a high grade uh, specialty coffee that's roasted properly um you do have a different experience and that's you know you don't have to be a coffee snob to appreciate good coffee when you try it and you realize wow that's really good
1: and yeah. the other thing and i don't want to go too far into weeds here but like if uh with roast levels is important too so an illustration i sometimes think about if i have four boards here that i'm we're looking at admiring the grains of this cherry of this oak of this chestnut and this black walnut and we're looking at these beautiful wood grains and then look at those four same boards that had sat in a fire and charred and you bring them out they're four pieces of wood that pretty much look the same you just destroyed the uniqueness of each of those and I'm kind of like less and less impressed with super dark roast, almost burnt. There's this idea that uh, if you're a real man, you know, you'll drink dark roasted. Yeah. But what you've really done is taken where a Costa Rica is delicate and light and is wakes up in a light roast. The darker you go, it just becomes smells like coffee, tastes like coffee, but there's nothing great about it, but really a Costa Rican done right is a great coffee. And you can take a Sumatra has got earthy notes and take it real dark. And pretty soon you take unique four different coffees from different places of the world and roast them pitch just to the edge of burning. And they all taste the same. And that's sad. And what we kind of stumbled across with our... Uh, black powder is going as dark as we could go, but still keep a recognizable flavor and smoothness to it. And right. uh, so, we, you know, we've got several different roasts because people like, some people like almost a sense, I call it the roaster, the char, a little bite to it.
3: And mm, that's what you yeah. get
1: with the black powder, but there still is um, some recognizable notes. They, they tend yeah. to the dark side like peanut and raisin rather than fruity and bright.
4: Yeah. And that's, I would definitely say having, uh, I guess, I just finished a bag of the black powder.
0: Um, I was hey, about- Rob. Yeah. yeah. Can you say bag again for me? <laughs> <laughs> Shush.
3: <laughs> I I love your
0: accent. I love the northern accent. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> so I, I couldn't. I couldn't help it. I just had to throw it me was, off. It was a layup. The it was right there. I had it to. Do it. I'm sorry. You just, you just finished a bag. A bag. A bag.
4: <laughs> so yeah, I guess what I was gonna say is I I just finished a bag of the uh black powder, and that was one thing that I definitely did notice is is I like stronger coffees primarily. Um, But there was kind of like what you touched on before, a smoothness, but you still had the different notes, you know, occurring there. It wasn't just like a blackout. And honestly, I really like your, uh, I guess, comparison to wood. Because, like the different grains that you were just mentioning, <laughs> as you apply, like if if you're artistically um, burning wood, different woods like a different amount of heat.
1: Okay, I've never. And art- you can get <laughs> you can
4: get the accent, you know, and and have different results based on that. Oh. Mm. So I thought that that kind of played well, but you know, I was supposed to have um, a box with some of your other flavors arriving today, but of course, it did not arrive. It's a virus. And yeah. Everything, <laughs> is, yeah. everything like is behind. Idea. Yeah. So that's uh, I have not tried the other ones, but I, I have definitely enjoyed the black powder so far. Cool. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the I, I, early I, I, light
1: is uh, for the millennial. It's a young. It's a lighter roast. Uh, <laughs> you gotta put your lumberjack shirt on and boots
0: on and have a and, and walk to Sprouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah. I am a pretty big fan of any any light roast, but that's just because I can turn my electric kettle on and I. It's just yeah. hot and I can start it fast and get out the door. But, yep.
0: I know that the next one we have coming up that my, per my wife's request is the Java rum. She's very excited about that, uh, but she, she likes some, some wild stuff. Cause that has like a bunch of different flavors in it, right?
1: Yeah. That it's actually what we call flavor added coffee. So it's got oh, okay. uh, chocolate, caramel, vanilla, and rum notes.
0: Interesting. Yep. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for that, for sure. Uh, so, um, what is your guys' favorite way to make said coffee? I know. I'm, I'm guessing, and we're. I don't know how much of our stuff you've listened to, but we're, we're very uh, science based. I guess you could say. Uh, so feel free to uh, get into some of the science on why you may like a certain way over another. I, I, I've in the workplace that I work at with all the the coffee guys that are in there. It's just a very generic, you know, coffee maker. Nothing, nothing fancy about it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be fancy to make it in kind of the, the quote unquote like gourmet way. From from what I'm understanding, it's not yeah, I, not at all
4: technical, but from a I think it's probably a nostalgia standpoint. But I was introduced and grew up to coffee, camping, and fishing and hunting made out of an old metal percolator, percolator yeah. that we put yeah. over the fire. And to this uh, day, I, st- I still think that that is the best way to have coffee. And that's probably just the memories talking.
1: What but, What's important there to get a good percolator to perk right is it really should be pretty coarse because – it, the worst possible things are happening you've it's not once through so the water is bare as it heats up it starts vacuuming up the tube and yep. boom, out over the the grounds which drip down into water that hasn't been up through yet so you've got kind of lukewarm half brewed coffee being pumped up putting it in and it just continually goes through so yeah. it has to get away quickly so it doesn't over extract If it hangs up there, first of all, it makes a big mess. It'll start running out over. But if it hangs up too long, it can really get a bite to it, just get big. But um, a lot of those old coffees, uh, the Hills Brothers and Sarah Lee and the old Folgers, they were fairly coarsely ground that you could get by in a percolator pretty good. But I like to take 28 grams of coffee. And 340 grams of water, and do a one and a half minute pour over. Uh, yeah, you want it technical? That's about as technical. Yeah, you do it. it. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into you it. Want you said, "What's going to happen?" If, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, see, what's going to happen is now I'm going to I'm going to go buy like a beaker set off of uh, Amazon, and uh, yeah, get a little Hario,
1: a little Hario cone, and the pointed uh, filters. Make sure you wa- do a pre-wash to it and put 10% of your water, of your put 34 grams in initially and let it bloom for 30 seconds. You're getting You're carbon dioxide nice. is coming up out. And so when you put the water in, the off-gassing won't compete with the water coming in. So you want it to... So the, the Japanese kind of invented the Hario pour over And they were anal about you You put 10% of your water in and let it bloom and do not touch it. And right in front of them, a world uh, uh, barista event, in a world barista event, a guy from Australia, uh, in a blind, they didn't see how he prepared it. But they, like three of the eight panel were Japanese judges And Mm -hmm. they picked this guy from Australia that your coffee's the best. All right, show us your method. And he would stir when he put his 10% of water in. He put a lot of water in, more than 10%. And then he would stir the first 10 seconds, he'd vigorously stir. And those three judges, it said that they got up and walked out. They were so (laughs) humiliated because uh, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) And you can taste when you don't do it the way we say. And they actually picked his coffee. Yeah
3: that's funny so
1: that's there's funny. if you youtube if you google it you find all kinds of techniques but you know the bottom line you just need uh some kind of a brew cone with a filter and a couple scoops of coffee and throw some hot water over it that's going to taste pretty bloody
2: good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah now i'm gonna have to try that yeah what are you, Mike? How do you like to make it?
2: You know what? I'm about as simple as you can get, so I'm the wrong guy to ask for anything <laughs> technical. I use a, a countertop drip brewer, and and uh, I just I'm an old, I just do it the old way. So
3: <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Get I do. Uh,
2: I do what you said before. Whoever it was that said, uh, while well, Paul was talking about this too, um, I went on a and I have to admit admittedly premature elk trip out West a few years ago, but a friend and his cousin had some horses and a horse trailer and an outfitter's tent. And, and, uh, none of us really knew what we were doing, but we did call in a bull one morning, which was the excitement of the, you know, nobody launched an arrow, but it was pretty epic horseback. You know, we were up, you know, twelve, ten, twelve 10, 12 miles. And anyways, by the last morning we were, about out of coffee and what we were because we drink a lot and that last pot was so thin i don't even know if it would qualify as tea
3: and (laughs) that stuff
2: was so good (laughs) you know so so uh yeah it's uh uh but yes for here at home yeah I just do the uh regular old dripper
0: yeah yeah Garrett, what about, what about you? What's your, uh, what's your method that uh, you to, if you can, I know you, you travel for work, so I know it may be different for you.
5: No, it's about the same. I do the same thing at home as I do at work. Cause I bring all my coffee stuff with me. Oh, well, there uh, you go. I do lately. I've been doing, what is it? A one to 17 ratio, 25 grams of coffee, which is 425, twenty five grams of, water um or that's what the yield ends up being um and then trying to think of i don't remember i don't think i have a water temperature because my new electric kettle doesn't have a thermometer on it and i'm too lazy to bring one with me but i pull it off like i let it boil and then i let it sit for probably about a minute and then i think i do double the amount of water or double yeah double the amount of water in grams. So 50 grams on my initial pour. And then I'll do 40% of the water that's left over and then finish it out with the rest. do it in three, three old pours. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good, but one. Work. I mess with it every, like I've just been doing that for a while. Cause it seems to work with the bag of coffee that I'm working or using right now, but I experiment once I get a different bag and, different roasts and all that so
1: and green green coffee in the warehouse we talk about it's it's good for two years if it's stored correctly and when it's roasted mm-hmm. whole bean two months and we say ground coffee two minutes so <laughs> you there are flavor and aromas right there laden that you released when you grind it's ready mm-hmm. for the water so it's my case for buying it Get your coffee whole bean <laughs> and grinding yeah. it as you as you go. But yeah, that's it's just my only because lead. there's a whole experience, and if you enjoy the whole ritual, uh, I mean that's what it's about. Just slow down a little bit and, and enjoy the whole thing and the aromas uh, of fresh ground coffee and and the the mouth feel and the nose sensation of a fresh cup, fresh ground cup of coffee is so different from steel
5: that's That's about the only thing that i don't have with me at work is my grinders at home but Mm. so my home coffee is usually better but yeah i just got a i had a chopper like a blade grinder for the longest time and then i finally got a burr grinder and my life was changed forever so i have a little (laughs) hario hand
1: grinder that it's great for me but if there's four people with me and they all want a cup of <laughs> coffee man it's yeah. it's a workout uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so one thing that you touched on earlier uh that I want to give you the opportunity to expand on if you want to is your uh is your direct trade uh um method I guess to of, of acquiring the coffee uh, what, what's kind of, what's different about that compared to what maybe what other people are doing?
1: Yeah. Well, Mike kind of alluded to this a little earlier. Um, I, I did not intend to, uh, like start a coffee roasting company. I was working for a church organization and loved what I was doing, but I saw, uh, I was, I knew coffee farmers and they became almost like brothers to me. I sat around their tables uh, year after year, several times a year, and they become real close. And we're talking how how can we really help you as a farmer that employs say a hundred workers keep everybody working? What would that really look like? You know, well, I need a market for my coffee. I get I need to break away from commodity pricing. And so I started jumping through the hoops to get registered with the FDA and get a uh, continual bond set up and get get the farmer registered as a importer to the U.S. and and started importing containers of coffee. And I remember the first time here in Ohio meeting with a guy that said he's direct trade. I said, oh, so where do you bring your containers in at? And he said, well, oh, I don't do that. A broker does that for me. And I realize that there's just very few people that say their direct trade actually from their bank to the farmer's bank. It I always say, just show me how does the money go. Well, I take the money and I give it to the broker. The broker brings the coffee in, and right away I know problem <laughs> because the mm-hmm. broker right. penalized the farmer they they pay. Transportation and country costs, they deduct them for yeah. defects in the coffee and blah, 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 blah goes. And you don't know what the farmer really got paid. So there yeah. are more. And in the last five, six years, I've discovered ah, I'm not the only cat. There's a lot of, there are other people that push through and are doing it. But I didn't know I was really creating. I just saw a problem. How can we deal with it? And I would rather, I guess, have somebody scratch in and get close to what we're doing and it's better than what I say than to say something and when they look closely it's it's really not that. so sure all yeah, I can sure. say is it's direct trade we go right <laughs> you know right to the farm and I cup it yeah. paste it there if there's a problem if there's a quality issue, I want to discover that at the farm gate. Not at my gate because I don't know how to get the coffee back to him. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, is there is there like is there added difficulty to do that in comparison to a more traditional way? And 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 if there is, is it? Do you think it's because of like? the government for those particular countries is like trying to get their slice of the pie with that kind of stuff. Is that, is that what makes it? In
1: in most cases, it's not the government. There are cases like that, but the main problem is the whole bait and switch. I mean, what I'm talking about rather than direct trade, maybe a better one is is relationship coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, These guys know that if they screw this up, it ain't never going to happen again. And they know that they've been given an incredible opportunity and a blessing to be selling her coffee for two to three times of what they've ever been paid in country. They make sure they get me the best coffee they got because they want this to happen next year and the next. And can you do more next year? And I've got this built in this relationship that can cross the trust. And it goes both ways. They have to trust me too because they ship coffee before they have all their money. And I advance money early in the summer for them to do the cleaning and the fertilizing and caring for it. And, uh, so I do an advance coffee comes up, they get the rest. So they got to trust me too. I got to trust them, uh, So that, that goes, but, but we built bridges that are strong enough to carry the weight of, you know, 150 grand I'm doing one transaction. So it's, it's gotta be good where if you're just guy sitting, you're roasting coffee and it's like, I want to get into this direct trade thing. You've got some real barriers. Uh, First of all, you got to find some farmers that you trust. You got to build a relationship and if they know you're a quick
5: you know you're down and gone tomorrow they'll take your money sure right yeah i I think i wrote a question down but it wasn't in the outline we gave you guys but what's it like to try to like start those relationships and find them like has it gone poorly before well what i like about most of my
1: relationships were started before coffee was even Mm. on the table so it was we we grew to like each other and appreciate each other Mm. Before coffee came up, it was out of that appreciation that I was like, dude, how, you know, I'm going home, but you're, you're stayed, you're down here, not sure where your food's coming next week. What, Mm -hmm. how can I really help? And, and really handouts, the things that I was doing as a mission agency, we gave a lot of money out. In fact, people would line up at my little casa that i was staying at with their solicitudes their asks you know oh, my wife's got to have an operation could you have a hundred dollars and it just goes on and on and those handouts are like drugs man, like crack it's only as good you get a fix but it's only as good as that one wears off you need another one and they just continually right. you can't out give the poverty in this world but you can yeah. give them teach them how to make a living, you. what's in their hand, and I sometimes, I'm, I'm a, a Christ follower, so I, I often look at stories in Scripture. Here's Moses had a stick, and it was just a stick to beat the sheep over the head with and get up the mountain. But when God told him to use that stick to do his purpose, it became something yep. more than just a stick. And yep. So yep. A coffee for me is more than just, it's a great drinking beverage, I'm pretty serious about it. It's a tool of community development. It's lifeblood for 80 women in Thailand who they're, it was sex trafficking before and now it's sorting coffee that we have imported. And it, it, it's, it's a big deal to them. It's not changing the whole world, but it's changing the world for the ones that we're working with.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, it changes their world. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh uh, I know I've, uh, I've seen in kind of a, a similar fashion, I would guess, uh, the, um, uh, the teaching of aquaponics, uh, uh, the church I grew up in was, was a real big, uh, uh they had a big mission there for a while to help, uh, um, a bunch of places in Africa and teach them how to do that to create a more sustainable revenue model for those villages to where they could have money to create schools and create churches and do all that. And that's, it sounds like that's, you know, it's basically what you're doing with with coffee, which is, uh, which is really cool. Um, But in addition to all of that, not only are you giving back to those communities that you're, you're, you know, fostering those relationships with, you're also giving back to the community here in the U S with all these organizations that you're partnering with uh, you guys partner with, uh, I mean, some very notable people, Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation, National Wild Turkey Foundation, SDI, uh, that's Safari Club International. Sorry, I, I forget. Not everyone's uh, super accustomed to all that. Uh, um, amongst others, there's there's uh, uh, several more there. So how how did you get into like getting connected with these organizations? What's the story there? Mike, I'll let you take off on that.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's just kind of evolved over time. Uh, one thing that happened at the beginning, this was more of a, uh, you know, just the hunting background. Hey, let's Paul approached, uh, he had already started the, had the idea for Hunter's Blend as, hey, this is kind of a niche coffee, There's not anybody marketing to hunting why not why don't we have our own our own coffee you know and so he approached ken and i uh ken's the other brother-in-law that's also an avid hunter uh and us our wives to partner together on this thing and as we as we uh the deeper we got into it the more we realized you know what height besides hey we're 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 hunters you know coffee for hunters by hunters you know that's it's great but uh As we, the more we got into it, the more we realized, you know what, hiding in plain sight here is the fact that this actually is hunter-friendly coffee. Um, You know, a lot of the coffee, special, especially specialty specialty coffee, which is what this is, uh, is imported. uh, Places like San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, uh, their their views on life, you know, are in a lot of cases radically different than yours and ours. And discretionary income is they're not gonna show up at the NWTF for a day, you know, or right. be, yeah. be in the parking lot with a PETA sticker or something. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. And so we're you know, we realize, look, we're we're bypassing that underbelly of coffee that, you know, we've done this with our clothing, uh hunting high uh, you know, high performance alpine gear. We don't have to go to a camping or a hiking store that is is radically anti-hunting to buy really good gear. We have our own now. And so coffee, it's like, you know, that's not why this was started. You heard Paul's story. But here, Hiding in Plain Sight, is it actually is hunter-friendly coffee. It's not taking a random bag of coffee, slapping a deer sticker on it, and calling it hunting coffee. It actually, you know, we're buying direct, which bypasses the the part of coffee that maybe isn't known for being hunter-friendly. And then on the support side, um, <clears throat> that's just kind of happened um, over time and uh, um, as, as different, for example, uh, National Wild Turkey Federation, the local chapters, they'll start hearing about us, they'll reach out, hey, you know, can you work with us at, on a banquet? And then then one tells the other and one tells the other. And um, there's just been a lot of that word of mouth, people seeing us out there, and then we can partner with those um, the one that we're really passionate about is the uh, Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, a couple of years ago, a year ago, I can't remember now, uh, before the ATA, one of the guys that was there at the time reached out to us and said he wanted to come talk to us at the ATA. And so I looked up their website or he sent me their info and there was a, a podcast they had done with uh, Meat Eater. So I listened to that and mm-hmm. I, my eyes popped out and I sent that to Paul and Ken. I said, you got to listen to these guys. And basically what they're doing is, um, they're like the NRA for, uh, for, but for hunting, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, if we lose our freedom to hunt, then, uh, elk numbers don't matter. Turkey population doesn't matter because yeah. you can't hunt. Yeah. And, and what they what they do is the legal side. They're like, I don't know if you guys have ever done construction, but if you've ever been down uh, pouring basement walls on, or, or footers on a, on a rainy winter day slogging <laughs> through the mud,
3: no, it's the worst.
2: you just <laughs> want to go home for crying out loud. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But you know what? You've got to have a good foundation before you can ever have a nice warm house. Yep. And that's what uh, sportsman's Alliance does. They are they do the 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 non flashy. They don't they don't have their their cause doesn't have eyelashes or spots or feathers. You know it doesn't. They don't have right. a, a catch. It's but they monitor um, pending legislation, proposed le- legislation. I mean, it'll be. I know last year it was like 500 cases that they were monitoring that if they went to court would have on some level, uh, restricted freedom to hunt fish or trap. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, those, uh, especially, um, Humane Society USA, that's not your local dog shelter. It's the Sarah McLaughlin, you know, cry your eyes out. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, yeah. That
3: 90,
2: I think it's 99% of their, um, budget, I think less than 1% of their budget goes to the local, um, humane societies. It's
5: mostly, right. yeah, yeah,
2: mostly, mostly lobbyists and lawyers that fight in, in, to restrict our hunting. So a classic move they'll do is they, they're not going to go after, Hey, we're going to shut down uh, mule deer hunting. We're going to shut down whitetail hunting. You know that they, so, uh, um, last year, the big thing was predator hunting contests,
3: So, Mm -hmm.
2: right. So, how many out of all the hunters? How many people coyote hunt? Well, that's a small percent. And then out of the coyote hunters, how many participate in the hunting contest? That's even less. So they can go after. uh, They nibble at the edges. And uh, a big thing in Maine the other year was they were going after hunting bear over bait or with dogs. Oh no no no! We're we're not going to shut down bear hunting. We just want to stop these inhumane practices.
3: Well, right, yeah
2: I think it's like 70% of bear were taken in Maine with those two so they're, they're really unfortunately crafty with how they uh, do it. So what Sportsman's Alliance does is tries their their first step is to educate the public try to uh, help educate the public you know if we can have a, a good conversation over the fence or at the grocery store with somebody and explain to them how, You know, hunting is is, uh, wildlife management. It helps protect numbers and population and provide herd health and, uh, you know, all these different things that we do. We're we're only harvesting the mature, more or less, or or percentage to make room for next year's crop, if you want to call it that. Um, You know, explaining the science behind it, then when they go to the voting booth, hopefully they're... They understand this is not just this emotional thing. There's a science here. So that's the first uh, first uh, level. But
0: first ultimately –
2: yeah.
0: They're the first line of defense for that yeah. kind of stuff that's going yes. to yeah.
2: yeah. But then worst case scenario, they do go to court. But their budget is a fraction of Humane Society USA. Mm-hmm. So – the more we as individual hunters can have, you know, and Hey, you see the thing on Facebook or your neighbor or whatever, you know, you just want to scream at them sometimes, but the, the more we can have, and I've had a few of these, a lot of these go South. Um, but, um, uh, you know, like on Facebook, whatever on our page, sometimes we'll get people, you know, and they, if they go South, they just go South and you just, just move on. But, um, As much as possible, if we can have a logical conversation, I have had a number of those that the person will say, you know, I I, I don't really like it, but I see what you're saying and I appreciate you taking the time to explain that. There are, you know, there's whatever, 20% of the people that you're you're never going to convince and there's 20% of us that hunt or 15, whatever. But um, that's not 20%. I'm getting my... The, the hunting percentages are even smaller than that, but there's Dollar,
0: way smaller. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it, it, But if, if 20% of people are, let's call it okay with hunting, there's 20%, maybe that's radically opposed, but there's a middle 20, 30, 50% of people that are, they don't have a strong opinion either way. And if we can have a, a great conversation with them, um, who knows that will help them be pr- better prepared, uh, when it does come to a vote. Anyways, I'm going on here about Sportsman's Alliance, but that's, that's who we're really passionate about. They, you know, they're kind of under good, gird all these other hunting activities that we want to do. So I always, we always encourage people to, you know, look them up. Sportsman's Alliance, M-E-N-S, Sportsmen's Alliance, um, check them out. You can be a member and, and just like every other organization. And um, it's just, it's, it helps hunting and, you know, all the outdoor hunting, fishing, trapping across the board. So, um, something that we're pretty passionate about,
1: you know, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. one of the things too, as Mike was talking that I was thinking of is that when I was young or in my teens and we'd go to deer camp, uh, we'd often either make a stop at Walmart or, you know, at a, at a grocery store and get food. And we'd get toilet paper, we'd get soap, you know, we'd get...
0: Can't get toilet paper. Yeah, anymore. you can't get that anymore.
1: <laughs> you know, there, there were some things that just you had to have. And it sometimes coffee was thrown in with that. But the reality mm-hmm. was, now, if you didn't have toilet paper, you'd probably start getting a little droopy eyed. But the reality was coffee was an essential, the first guy up in the morning, we all said, put the coffee on. You know, that was... right coffee is like makes the hunting world go round. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if if it's in a turkey blind, if it's in a waterfowl blind, if it's uh, deer camp, uh, all the, all the uh, Western hunts, you know, the, the conversation, the camaraderie happens around the coffee, the fire and a cup of coffee. So it's almost like it's elevated to a place as gear. And that's why, that's one of the things I started looking at, uh, hmm. even before we formed Hunter's Blend Coffee is that, you know, hunters need a coffee that they can claim as it All supports the causes yeah. that they believe in. It's not undermining their way of life. And, you know, I started thinking, I'll just say the word is, as you know, to have a cup, a, a Starbucks in my hand and I drank a Starbucks, but, um, uh, have a starve and and to say I'm a hunter is potentially incompatible. Yeah, those two, those two images were well, a
4: lot of people don't think about that. Yeah, but yeah. When, when you look at you know the the stuff that some of these large you know uh, organizations support, what they you know uh, you know lobby for, yeah it can get messy in a hurry yeah i mean there's so many large organizations that are against what a lot of us view as normal life yeah
0: like yeah. the ba- basic stuff like like the ability to hunt yeah it's you know it, it's uh yeah, and and like you know you were saying uh mike it, it's not they don't go after you know your ability to hunt they they just don't want people to hunt mountain lions with yeah. dogs yeah. Or right yeah. stuff yeah. like that where it's like well ha- how else do you kill a mountain lion? That's about the only way <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: well yeah, and,
0: and
4: this really uh yeah. we had a conversation a couple months ago with um Michael Sabbath,
0: oh yeah. You guys should check him out. Is, Incredible. Uh, I
4: guess a retired lawyer, but he specializes in, um, I guess, working with hunting organizations and, and uh, helping with how we approach some of these moral-type dilemmas that are pushed against us um,
3: hmm.
4: as a hunting community, and this was primarily related to... Um, like the African hunting, oh yeah, trophy hunting, as a lot of people refer to it as. Um, but it, it ties right in with what you were saying for Sportsman's Alliance, where you know, separating the emotion and and the facts and logic, and turning, you know, from from Michael's standpoint, it's it's going. Instead of being on the defensive, flipping the table and and turning it back on the people that are judging us and going, okay, well, by doing, you know, are you for improving these areas, you know, water sources? Are you for improving these areas, schools and their infrastructure and improving their safety? by removing predators and you know all of these things and okay if you're for all of that you're you're for this type of conservation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you know, flipping that table around and and making people actually think about the, the logic behind the conservation model. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big part of it, but if people aren't considering, you know, the brands that they're buying, where they're putting their money, then you you don't know what your money is saying for
3: you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We vote with our pocketbooks. uh,
3: Absolutely. Sometimes sometimes
2: it's inadvertently. It's, you don't know what you don't know, but we can't afford to be uninformed and um, and the public is woefully uninformed so just that example that you gave of asking the questions you know are are you do you are you for poaching well no well do you realize that hunting in africa pays for
4: is what pays is what to, pays for the anti poaching anti poaching yeah and that
2: the, the states the, the the countries over there with a with the north american model of conservation their animal numbers are, are, are you for protecting herd health? Well, that's, yeah. So that's a great, that's a great way to, because a lot of times people think it's in, a, we're in a vacuum. I'm going to get a little bit philosophical here, but to, 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 uh, say that I don't like trophy hunting. what don't you like it? Well, they just kill the big animals for their horns. Okay. Is that a scientific statement? Cause that there's nothing wrong with that scientifically. Oh, you've entered you've entered a moral argument. What is that moral based on? Because that's not scientific. Now, now we're talking about morals. What's that moral based on? If you if you believe that God put us here to take care of the earth and to to uh, to steward and 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 be responsible for it, that's a part of that. Oh, if you don't believe in God, we're all just you know evolved from whatever. Well then there's no moral there's no moral code in evolution we just it's survival of the fittest what what does it matter you know we 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 mix our metaphors as we address these problems and 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 if it's even if it's just um even if you do believe in that just a complete evolutionary model you what happens when you remove the top predator you've you've screwed up the entire if we're just if if we're all just Animals and rats and people were all the same. Then what happens when you remove the number one predator? You've screwed Never, up the entire ever,
0: system. Everything's out of balance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, anyways, that's a little thing, philosophical. But anyway,
0: <laughs> one thing that a lot of people
4: don't get with the whole trophy mindset of, and I'm, I guess, air quotes on trophy, right? Um, but the the premise of intentionally chasing the most mature animal that you can is as far as herd health goes yeah once a a male you know bull or buck whatever the case is past its prime Uh or reaching the top of its prime if that animal is not removed it in a lot of cases can lead to reduced herd health because oh, that buck w- once it reaches a certain age or that elk or whatever will not be able to reproduce anymore but will still be dominating and scaring off the next generation yeah
0: And that's especially especially true with predators yeah. uh, uh, in particular bears and mountain lions and coyotes and everything else, because not only will they not be able to breed, they'll kill all the younger animals. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because they're protecting their territory. Yeah, and that's a compounding negative effect on on herd health and and herd population.
4: So it's like Uh, if if those animals aren't, you know, controlled to a certain extent then your populations are going to decline and everything's everything gets out of whack if you want the healthiest strongest herd of whatever species then at a certain level you want to be you know uh removing those alphas out of the picture to allow the new alphas to come in and maintain the herd
5: yeah. And well, we do that with the most efficient methods, which normally get outlawed because people don't understand them. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's the other thing. People don't realize the, for example, the the uh, death by a hunter is nine times out of ten way more.
4: Uh, oh, it's the cleanest quicker, death they could ask
2: for. Cleanest, more. Yes. Pain, the least amount of pain of any death they could have uh, hoped for. The other thing is in all the species humans are the only one with the intelligence to manage because a, a lot of people will say, well, you shouldn't hunt. And then the, the, you know, the wolves and everything they'll, they'll manage the herd. Yeah. What happens then if nature is left to itself is wild swings. Yep. So yep. You, you get overpopulation of the big predators, all of a sudden you've just decimated the, the game. And so then the predators move off then the game comes back, overpopulates. It, the The forest does it too. You get to old growth forests, and only, you know, by our genius do we say, "Oh no, you can't cut that down." Okay, great. Then a massive forest fire comes in and wipes out the entire thing and the animal population. Yep. Where right. if we had gone in and done for, uh, proper forestry and management, now everything maintains um, an equilibrium, and it, and everything, uh, prospers over time so if we remove ourselves intentionally from this chain yes nature will balance itself but it ain't pretty it's yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. a, you know uh, Very
3: violent.
2: <laughs> oh my i i have a i grew up on a farm i love hunting i have a hard time watching a coyote rip or a dwarf r- 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 whatever rip a deer or a, a moose to, you know, nip it to death piece by piece. And there's oh, guts
3: horrible. guts yeah.
2: hanging out and the thing's walking. Or you've probably seen that picture of that giant eagle of some sort on, a, on the back of uh, an antelope of some kind. Literally, meals on wheels. He's sitting there chopping at the back straps yeah. and the thing's staggering. I have a hard time watching that.
0: Oh, I, I can't, I can't watch that kind of stuff. Yeah. I know a couple, a couple, probably a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so now, uh, there was that video that was, uh, going, uh, semi viral, I guess, within the hunting community of the, uh, uh, it was the mother black bear yep. and she had three cubs and one of them like had broken rear legs for some reason and uh and it was either another black bear male uh, or or a grizzly bear i can't remember what it was uh, right now but that bear came up there and just tore that cub oh, in half. wow and and it was getting shared by everybody and like right. and i knew i knew i knew what happened but like i still like i can't i can't Well and that's yeah, it is rough but but it's it's a stark dark like, reminder
4: well, that hunter know, versus you know, non-hunter I had this happen a, a year and a half ago. I was on my way to work, and uh, I guess I live a little bit in the country, so there's deer running around, and uh, it's. I saw a deer get hit by a vehicle that was coming towards me, and I saw the vehicle pull over, and I swung around, and... I've always got a knife in my truck, you know, the larger knife in my truck, knife in my pocket. Um, and I threw my, my knife in my back pocket, hopped out. I'm, I'm in, you know, office attire. <laughs> and uh, I walk up and I, it was an older gentleman uh, in the car, visibly shaken, um, asked if he was okay. And, and he was yep yep i'm I'm fine, um, but he obviously had no intention of getting out of his vehicle to assist the screaming doe that was laying in the road, yeah, and so as soon as I had checked on him, I walked ahead of the vehicle and I pulled my knife, finished the deer, and like I turn around and this guy's eyes are just like saucers. <laughs>
3: and I'm like
4: he probably thinks that I'm a psycho right now. Right. <laughs> but in my mind, he's the psycho that's just sitting there letting this animal suffer and scream. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I'm I'm going, man, like this is just painful. Yeah. Like just it's well, it's gonna die. Just put yeah. it out of its ah. misery,
0: end it. Yeah. 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 Well, and to bring to bring that part of the conversation full circle, uh, and and I'll, I'll I'll be like you earlier, I'll I'll say the S word. Uh, um, when you buy a cup of coffee from somebody like Starbucks, uh, you I mean, whether you actually support it or not, you are supporting with your dollars their like their goal to completely remove your ability to manage these animals. And, and I have a lot of other reservations with, uh, with them just as a Christian, but, uh, um, I mean, I, I think, I think it's really cool that you guys have given, uh, hunters and conservationists because you don't even have to be a hunter. I think, well, what are they, uh, I just saw, uh, um, Sportsman's Alliance thing is uh huntervationist, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of cool yeah. uh but you guys are giving these hunters and conservationists you know uh, uh an outlet for, you know like what you were saying to to be able to to get something that they enjoy and know that those dollars are going to be could be, be put to good use or or more importantly not be put against them uh, uh that's that's something that a- yeah. anytime i go anywhere and i'm i'm not the guy that's like all about cancel culture, like oh, I'll never, yeah. I'll never stop at Walmart again because you know they right. did something. Like I'm not, I'm not that guy. But man, there are some companies where I'm just like, man, I'd, I'd really rather not give, like, go there, uh, just yeah, because mean, when there's a because, viable because option, yeah,
4: then it's one of those. Well, if I've got a viable option, I'm going to take the one that more aligns with with my own personal views. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's just one of them little things that, that, you know, they, they add up, but it's, you know, and it's not, yeah, there's enough causes out there to try to jump on. And, you know, that gets a little tired and old, but just in a practical sense, like you said, if there's an option and I know about it, you know, why not? It, it it makes sense. Um, I'm, I thought jumping back to what we were just talking about, um, (laughs) I had a thought when we were talking about, you know, how hunting is uh, a more merciful, quick kill for the for the uh, animal, a quicker way of death than what nature provides. I, I just thought, you know what? Wolves don't have an Ashby Foundation <laughs> ded- dedicated to the quickest, most humane kill
4: possible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless it's me with my recurves. That's,
3: that's, <laughs> that's <a funny> story. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well well, man and that's man that you want to talk about the hot the hot button topic right now uh is is wolves in colorado specifically oh. but, uh man I, I feel like every year it's some it's a predator in some way shape or form uh it's a certain state a certain predator or a certain hunting like you know form and and but there's there's always some type of you know uh people up in arms about it and I just, I don't, it's the same, it's the exact same thing that I've always said about the Second Amendment, and I'm I'm a, uh, an extremely unapologetic Second Amendment supporter. Some people might say I take it even a, a bit too far with uh, with what I think the Second Amendment truly means. Uh, um, even my <laughs> friends that are they're very Second <laughs> Amendment, they're like, no, man, I don't think that you should be able to own recreational nuclear warheads. Yeah. Uh, you but- know, it
2: just says, shall not be infringed, yeah. and then
3: there's, there's a period
0: yeah yep. that's that's where I'm at'm I'm like it's, well, it's I'm an even mean, playing field right yeah yeah that's uh, that, that's exactly man that's exactly what I'm saying like if the government can have it I should be able to have yeah. it period but well, I, I,
2: I will say this that uh, at the time the frontiersmen did have military grade weapons I'll just say that
0: exactly
3: absolutely did so, we unless, unless we want to have,
2: have everybody else go back to quill pens in the town crier you know get throw give up their, their iPod and their computer. Right.
4: You
0: know, then, you know, anyway. Yeah, we got you. It's frustrating to say say the least. I was going somewhere with that, but now I can't All remember. Right, yeah. But, but there, there we are. That's, we, that's, we just, that's, 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 that's where I stand for the Second Amendment. That's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not negotiable in that sense. Um, but, but you guys, uh, I've, we, we kind of started this relationship because uh, um, Garrett and Rob both ordered your coffee. They are like, "Man, this this coffee is really good." And then uh, I drink some from my buddy who gave some to me, and I was like, "This is this coffee is really good." And these guys give back to organizations, and we got to uh, talking, and we were able to set this up to where uh, the Ashley Boheming Foundation is now one of the organizations that you guys support, and we're very, very thankful for that. Uh, I know all the. Uh, I, I think uh, i think this is uh, i don't i don't think anyone quite knows uh where the tentacles of the Ashley bow hunting foundation are are leading to just yet uh they will pretty soon though uh but it's there's, uh, it, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that these guys are are going to end up touching and uh, and the fact that you guys were were able to uh, uh, work with us and work with them to be able to to support that organization i'm I'm very very thankful for. It.
1: Yeah, um, it's more, it's something I really want to learn more. I know Mike's been uh, using a lot of the principles and his arrow setup, but uh, I want to look into it. Broadhead penetration research, that's what I need to do. Answer. <laughs> yeah,
3: well,
4: hey, anyway, when you start diving down that rabbit oh, hole, feel free God. to reach out because uh, that is what we do. Yeah, oh, that's interesting.
2: I I tried to do it on my own last year with a little bit of help from a neighbor and and I got up to about I don't know 545 grains but it wasn't near the yeah it wasn't near the FOC I wanted so I did break down this year and bought a few Grizzly sticks but I tell you what late season when I climbed down out of my tree stand got into brown ground blind. All I could envision was if I did launch the arrow, I wouldn't find it because it's gonna go through whatever <laughs> I
3: shoot. <laughs> and I'm not
2: getting that investment back. So that, but
4: that, I it's go ahead. funny because uh Garrett Schleif uh with Grizzly Stick, his favorite saying is he wants people spending more time searching for their arrow than searching for what they shot at. Wow. I'll tell you what. It it should drop quick, and then you you've got all day to find your arrow, right?
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow! Isn't that true? You can hunt for your deer all night, and maybe the next day, or look for your arrow. I mean,
3: and and get the (laughs) lighted
2: knot while you're at it, and wait till dark. So. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's that's the name of the game, right there. I've been
2: listening listening to Troy uh, to Ranch Fury for. Oh, when yeah. the first time I heard him, then I, I saw he was on your podcast, so I listened to that one too. But I've been following him for a couple years, yeah, mm-hmm. and listening to him. And, and uh, of course, the first time I heard him I was like, "Who in the heck is this guy? <laughs> Who is he, this character? Oh character. My He's God. a character. Isn't he? <laughs> he is. He is hilarious. But the more I listen to him, I'm like, you cannot argue with a lamb <laughs> that is outside and involves dozens and dozens of hogs. Um, just the the evidence speaks for itself and uh so i yeah i've i uh due to uh i didn't hunt this year till the till the rut and uh so i passed on does because i was hoping for a buck and then uh which that didn't happen so by the time i climbed down for late season and on the food plot i just never there was never anything out there the nights that I hunted. They were out there the other nights, but not those <laughs> nights. So, uh, the, all the arrows are still in my quiver. So, uh, <laughs> we need to correct that next year. But I, I am, I, I really, I just, I'm sold on the the idea. The concept makes so much sense, and then yeah. the the real life results when you're shooting uh, a cape buffalo with a traditional bow. I mean, good lord, that's
0: and oh. that wild stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, some of the stories that we we got to listen to at the Dallas Fire Club Convention, and I, I, it's just it's wild. Like the the stuff that these arrows can do when when they're set up correctly. Well, it, and it's the so amount brutal. of
4: confidence that people need to have in their equipment. Yeah, to yeah. be able to do some of this stuff. I mean, taking hippos and elephants and cape <laughs> buffalos at fairly wow. close range with bows. Wow. Wow. Man. That takes some confidence in your gear. Good. Oh, yeah. All I right. mean, you cannot have any doubts because if if it doesn't work, you <laughs> very likely are in trouble. Yeah. yeah. That's
2: one of those situations where the uh the, the guide yeah. is not only carrying the backup gun, he's carrying your sack, I think.
3: <laughs> 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 I mean that's that's that takes a man right there. No Good kidding. Lord. Yeah.
0: Yeah, carrying them in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, in Some of the videos I've seen, I mean, they're, they're 12 yards from a caveman. Oh, I'm just like, I can't even, I, I can oh, barely hold it. Everyone, wants to. 25-pound want turkey walks yeah. up 10 yards from right, me. Right, I can right, imagine right, 1,500 right. pounds of black death towering down on me. Who was
5: that guy that we interviewed at DSC that had, he took the frontal shot on the Cape Buffalo at like 20 yards. Oh,
0: oh it's, uh, uh, Doug, Doug Haywood. Haywood, Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, Doug, uh, uh, frontal because he, uh, that was a really funny story because he was, uh, uh, they were stalking it and they ended up, they like found themselves in the middle of this like huge field and they went under like the one tree that was there, and then the Cape Buffalo was like, "Oh, there's shade over there. I'm gonna walk." Oh. It. <laughs> it was the tree that they were under. So, uh, so yeah, he took a 20 yard frontal shot on a Cape. It was. Uh, did, he pretty, to hard, did he get the heart? Did he get the heart? Hopefully. Uh, yeah, it, it went. Uh, did it, it exited out the rear ham? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh it didn't no. Hurt, uh, yeah, it, I I think the the it got or it got like stuck in the in the rear ham. The the arrow wow. didn't like fully exit, but I think the broadhead was like poking through. So, yeah, that's uh, a nice Yeah, on a on a cape buffalo, such wow. such a big animal. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Well, uh, so where where can people uh where can people buy your coffee and and find find everything that you guys are about? I know you have a website uh um you guys have other social media and stuff too i'm assuming
2: yeah hunters blend uh you can buy all the uh the coffee and gear there and uh yeah on social media uh instagram and twitter is uh hunters blend coffee um we had to uh long story but we had to restart our facebook page here recently uh, that was a uh, joy but anyhow that's you can find that <laughs> on Hunters Blend Coffee as well on Facebook uh when you go to Hunters Blend Coffee click on the uh tab to be invited to request um to get into the private uh, hunt club that will uh that just helps you stay in touch way better um so um uh, yeah but yeah all the coffee's online we have subscriptions uh, we have it ground whole bean and K cups, and Paul's working on a. Uh, I don't know what you, what are we going to call that a backcountry grind or something.
1: Oh, uh, you mean the just the single water? packets? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm you're going to have the, but, the but, You know, most people want a, on a backpack. They've they've got their jet boil or something, and all they need yep. is water. So uh, there's a friend of mine, Jonathan Collins. He was the personal chef for. The Canadian, uh, the current Trudeau's father, Trudeau, the president, mm. prime, whatever mm-hmm. he is, prime minister. Was Justin, prime minister yeah, Justin's yeah. father. He was the personal chef for him. Anyhow, he's a foodie That's guy. Nice. And him and I worked on a grind and a, a process where you just put it in the cup, put your water, and it... Really sinked. You wouldn't, you just wouldn't drink the last half inch in your cup. This, the sediment is, it's more sediment than grounds. It's just kind of a, it's ground very fine, but it's synced. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a cowboy coffee. Mm -hmm. So there's no filter, Mm -hmm. no brew cone, just hot water and coffee.
5: That will uh, keep me from getting made fun of by my friends because I was definitely going to just pack out my. V60 to the (laughs) (laughs) woods. Well,
1: we've got we've got a another kit. Maybe this is what you were thinking of, Mike. Uh, I am. I long for the day when the biologists of the world recognize that and discover that deer are literally attracted to the smell of coffee. Wouldn't that be neat? (laughs) Get that verified, because I uh, I love sitting up. Now I do this when I'm gun hunting. But I have my jet boil, my pour over, my filter, my coffee. It's all ground though. But I, I started taking a little metallized pouch and I put my dose of coffee ground in there, fold up a filter, put it in and seal it. So I've got seven or eight packs of those in my pack, my coffee and my filter. And then I got a little collapsible nylon filter holder that sits, uh, stands up on my cup. And I'll screw in, in my tree stand, I'm gun hunting, I'll screw in two of these little shelf units, and I get my water going, boiling in my jet boil on one of the shelves. And the other one, my cup is setting with the filter holder sitting over it and the cone in there and water boils. I make the 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and 1 o'clock, if I'm doing an all-day rut set, they're the top of my day because I'm brewing three cups of coffee <laughs> in and out of the tree. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's what goes in has got to come out. So it's, <laughs> it's
3: just
1: a recycled job up there.
0: Man, that's what makes me terrified to drink coffee before turkey hunting this year. So I am I know I'll drink it, and then at yeah. about 7.30, it'll be like, yep, time to Time to come out yeah. <laughs> with the floor paper shortage. I don't know if that's a good idea. Baby wipes, Matt. They are your friend. Yeah. Oh man, baby baby wipes are are a, are a godsend in the woods for sure. That's that's next stuff <laughs> well, right there.
1: Why recently? And Mike, I think you heard him too. We heard Dave Blanton with Real Tree tell a story of, and it's a oh, long story. Yeah. But he in a in a playing a prank on a guy peed in a scrape. And messed and took a stick and just worked it up. And you know, the guy got all excited. Uh, his friend later they came by and Whoa, look at what happened. This deer came back, and Michael just laughed. But a week later, he went back and it was like a dining room table rub back there. A, <laughs> yeah. a real buck did come in and yeah, that scrape up after Michael. Amazing how that can work. It, David had peanut, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, man, I'm, I've. Well, I,
1: I don't
0: heard that I can tea out of the stand, man. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 No, I, I don't deer I don't think deer care. Man, I've I've heard I've heard as far as uh, uh, farmers that will like if they're doing farm work around their deer stand, like they will intentionally wear stuff that smells like diesel or something like that to like get the deer accustomed to uh, all the all the smells of you know of the farm so uh, when you do go hunting, they're not—they're uh, oh. not nearly as picky, and you—you you can do that kind of stuff. You can brew your coffee, and they don't—they don't care. But yeah, I—I I, I wouldn't be surprised if deers are are uh, attracted to the smell of coffee. I mean, what isn't right? Yeah. I mean, right. I, feel like, I feel like when you smell it, you're just like, I have to go in that direction. Well, it's right, right. right
1: yeah. At our roastery, I've got 11 acres right there. That's a little honey hole. There's two or three doe family groups in there, and during the rut, the deer just. Trapes through there the buck they just they're they're on my trail cameras and and we're roasting every day and blowing smoke out over the woods you can smell it clear on the other side of town so mm-hmm. I had just in two thousand eighteen middle of November I just settled in my it was two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday just had a tough day in the shop and uh grabbed my I changed my gear, but the gear, nothing was sent, washed, nothing. My whole process that I normally do was out the window that day. I just changed, grabbed my bow and a thermos of coffee and went up in my tree stand, drank three cups standing up. They're just little cups <laughs> and sat down and settled in for the night watch, looked up and it was a 172. Oh, Came in, just came in broadside, gave me a shot. It was a night. Nice, that was the slickest little hunt I ever had. And <laughs> That's great. I think they get used to the smell of coffee floating out over the, the woods. They do. <laughs> yeah. they do.
3: They oh,
5: do. Especially if you're running the roaster right there. They're probably yeah. just like, oh, nothing abnormal here.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's
5: exactly what I the expect. Wind, the wind was
1: the- right. I, I had a little food plot out there, and before I went out, I I knew the wind was coming in my face where I was going to
0: be. So. Yeah. You have coffee beans in the food pot? <laughs> 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 Do, uh, it's a stupid question. I mean, they, they have to come from the ground, right? They're not. No, they're they not,
1: grow like a cherry. Are they in they a tree? Yeah. Like a. Okay. Cherry.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Because you were talking about the yep. the cat that has the thumb. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's uh. I have, I have a lot take, to learn about coffee, I guess. takes
5: a really long time to grow coffee. Don't ask me how I know that because I definitely looked it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Figuring out how you can uh, try and Uh, and sell this bean. Can can I I, I get this bean to make more coffee? No, I can't.
5: I'll just buy the green beans, I guess, and roast them one day.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. That's good stuff. Well, man, uh, Mike, Paul, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, this is, this has been a fun conversation and, uh, and I, I think it's, I, I, we lose sight, especially, especially right now, man, I, it's just a, such a wild time in the world. And, and I feel, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get political with this, but, uh, I, I feel like in, in times of uncertainty, there is a trend to try and take advantage of people not paying attention, yeah. uh, and and it's it's the organizations like the Sportsman's Alliance and and the other organizations that you su- that you guys support that that are really the difference makers and stuff like that. So, uh, man, I think now is probably as good a time as any to get a cup of coffee and and drink it and start doing some research on who's doing what and figuring out what organizations you should be supporting. And, uh, uh, at the same time, you can do that by buying a cup of coffee from a couple of good guys that are, that are on a, on a good mission and something that we support. And, and especially, uh, uh, now that, uh, we're all partnered up with the, with the ABF. So, uh, yeah,
2: sorry i'm butting in here i'm glad you mentioned that i was going to say that and i'm sure you you mentioned this on your show but yeah if anybody make sure you use the promo code abf when you check out and then uh, we'll donate uh 10 of all those sales to abf so um it's uh you're not paying any more for the coffee it's the regular price but we're just going to donate to that so uh just want to everybody to remember to use abf when you check out all caps
0: yeah yep, real easy we, we, yeah yep, we did we it a appreciate. week ago when
4: i when i restocked
0: yeah absolutely we appreciate the heck out of that and man i if 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 i've learned anything in my life it's that the subscription model is where it's at just set it and forget it just exactly. don't worry about it anymore just let, just let it go. I don't. I I have never regret, regretted having Netflix. A month that I've had it, and I've had it for <laughs> at least ten years. I don't even think about it. Uh, as soon so. as
4: this next package arrives, which I I grabbed all the other flavors because I want to find, I guess, which one my wife likes as well. Mm-hmm. As Spart-Man. soon as we've got that yeah. picked out, then it's straight <laughs> subscription model because then I won't be coffeeless Like I was this morning. Um, yeah. Don't be, yeah, don't
5: no be like Rob. Don't be coffeeless. Um, not fun. I do have a question on that, I guess. Uh, does I'm looking at the website right now, but does, if they did the subscription model, that does that apply towards the thing? Cause you guys are a discount on your subscriptions.
2: I just thought of that when you mentioned that. So, uh, but I'm glad that you know, it was in one corner of my mind and out the other. So I'm glad you reminded me of that. So, yeah, let, we'll follow up on that Okay. make sure that, that we can – that I mean, that'll uh, – it doesn't get – uh, as long as – yeah, I'll just have to make sure we can somehow note that with a subscription. that it always stays with that so we can track. Um,
1: if you yeah. uh, if you remind me too, Mike, in the morning when Andy comes in, we can look at that. To make sure that's yeah all turned on.
2: Yeah, yep,
0: yeah. I know an IT guy. If you need any yeah. help with that, so <laughs> that's,
2: that's good. <laughs> we may we may be calling. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll be I'll I'll be here. I'm available. All right, well, cool. well, Mike, Paul. Is there anything else that you guys want to close with? No,
1: no. which is I appreciate the opportunity to. You know, just again tell you what we're what we're about and get to know you guys and uh I wanna learn more about the Ashby Bow Hunting Foundation and I don't want to be part of a cancel culture or have anybody else, but be an affirmative culture. Here's coffee for <laughs> for we're a yes culture to this coffee. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. I like
2: yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys reaching out originally and, and for the chance to spend a uh, little bit of time talking. It's been fun too. You guys yeah. are uh, easy to talk with. So, and appreciate what you're doing. Your podcasts are great, and yeah. uh I I gravitate towards informative podcasts. So stuff like your content is what I like to to yeah. for me. I mean, I, that's
4: what I like to listen to. So uh, we appreciate that.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, we're, like I said, we're, we're honored to, to be paired up with you guys. I think you guys are, are, uh, on a great mission doing good things. And, uh, I think, uh, I think we're going to continue to have a, a good relationship together. Couldn't, couldn't ask for anything better. Sounds good. So cool. Well, Mike, Paul, appreciate it again. And, uh, until next time we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll leave the audience with our, uh, I guess our new sign off, uh, to, uh. Uh, Stay lethal and disrupt the status quo. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you. Bye.